0: over the last two decades of running my own business and working with hundreds of clients to bring you what's working now conversations. I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you real stories from real people, including myself. We're gonna talk about everything from how to get clarity on your vision, creating systems so you can automate and delegate, Hey Justine, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Business Your Way podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking to you this morning. I know that we talk every month,
0: but I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and for our listeners to hear your business journey the highs, the lows of building a really successful virtual assistant agency. So to kick us off and to get us started, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, who
1: you are, who you serve and what you do to make your moolah. Okay, so I'm Justine, founder of Your Virtual Assistant, we're a full business support agency working with business owners to get them spending more time in their zone of genius. And we do that by helping with tasks and projects that they can't do, don't do, and shouldn't do.
0: I love that. Can't do, don't do, shouldn't do. Yeah,
1: That's brilliant. (laughs) Because
0: there are, you know, when we are the founder of the business, we usually are doing those tasks where we shouldn't be doing them. You know, it's the... $10 tasks when we should be focused on the $100 tasks. So I love that. So how do you make your moolah? Like do people work with you just one off or do you work with people over time? Like how do you make your moolah?
1: There's a few different revenue streams. So we do casual ad hoc tasks. Um, Someone might want a landing page or a transcription done. Our preferred type of client is those that we're working on month in month out across their business because that's where we can make the most difference so we have our virtual assistant service we have a team of virtual experts who help out with graphic design wordpress social media bookkeeping and then we have our virtual business managers who are a step above that virtual assistant's
0: What does a virtual business manager
1: do for business? Like I
0: I get the virtual assistant like coming in and taking some of those like $10 tasks off your to-do list. But what makes a virtual business manager different?
1: A virtual business manager is, think of them as, whereas... A virtual assistant is working away in your office join the admin. They're quite reactive in terms of can you do this task. A virtual business manager is more proactive and more a strategic partner that should work with the business owner to make sure that they're accountable and are accountable in return. And instrumental in The biggest need has been in setting up operations and systems for businesses who are going through their next growth phase and don't want the speed wobbles that comes from not having good systems and processes in place.
0: So yeah, the behind the scenes operational tasks, which are more high value tasks, because once you get those systems in place, then the business operates more efficiently.
1: Absolutely. It helps with onboarding. It helps making sure that as you get busier, your quality of service to your customers doesn't drop. You don't lose the details. And lots of business owners are like me, really good with ideas, with the vision, not so great on the detail. Um, My eyes glaze over when I look at a five page procedure. So they're much more detail orientated than business owners tend to be.
0: Right. How do you know that you are ready for a VBM? So I know that I'm ready for a virtual assistant because I've just got some tasks that I want to offload to get more hands on the doing. But how do I know when I need a virtual business manager?
1: Often when you're frustrated with your virtual assistant because you're spending more of your time delegating and you want to shift above that, we tend to work with clients who are growing their teams. And as you know, as you grow your team, the admin and the operations side grows incrementally. So it's someone to sit in alongside you on your organisational chart, managing your team to free up the business owner so you don't keep getting Brought into the weeds. What you can do if you've got, you know, a few freelancers or virtual assistants or internal teams, mm. the noise just gets louder sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the noise does get louder with the more people that you have, for well, sure. The more people who want a piece of you, so they can do their job effectively. So that's what the VBM does: comes in and takes on the leadership role of the team so the team can do their job better?
1: Yes, it's also a very good opportunity and i found this in my own business as we've brought on our own VBM. It's been really good having someone that the team can go to that's not me or the business owner. Often you get a lot of information out of the team that Wouldn't necessarily come through to you as a business owner. So it's giving your team two options. They can, for example, any of my team can come to me, have a one on one chat. We do annual reviews, that kind of thing. But they can also go to Sue or Nikki, our ops manager, with things they might not be comfortable coming to me with.
0: So it just provides that next level of support for your team. Yes. Brilliant. Alrighty. I want to go back in time a little bit because I really want to dive into the behind the scenes of your business. You run a highly successful agency. What was your last, what's your current staff count? 20 plus?
1: Uh, No, about 34 at the moment. Justine,
0: 34. (laughs) That's incredible. Because I think when I started working with you, it was around the 20. And so now you are even bigger.
1: Our BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal, is to grow to a team of 500. To be um, our actual 10-year vision is to be New Zealand's most respective virtual support provider. Nice. I love Um, it. So we've got a long way to go from 34 to 500. Um, But
0: even running an agency of 34 people is no easy task. So congratulations on the growth that you have had so far. But I really want to now go back to the beginning. So firstly, how did you start your business? In
1: 1998, I had my daughter or we had our daughter. Mum had always been a stay at home mum. I really wanted that for Tara. So, and as chances would have it, I got made redundant while I was on maternity leave. So I was Googling, you know, trying to come up with something that I could do from home. And I stumbled across a virtual assistant in the States and thought, oh, my God, that's me. I can do that. And that's where we were born from in saying that the first Ten years were really hard. No one had heard of VAs in New Zealand. Um, I did lots of part-time and some full-time jobs while I was growing the business. But we started to get some traction. I started to get some regular clients and got to a stage where I could give up working and concentrate on this business.
0: Nice. So, and when was that point in
1: the journey? That was about 2008? I think I was 100% working on this business.
0: Yeah. You know, look, it took a while to get to that point because what you were doing was just so new in the marketplace.
1: Yes. So back in those days, you could, um, there was no spam email or anything like that. Do you remember (laughs) Wises, the business? Yes, yes, I do. I had a set of CDs of New Zealand businesses so every night I would email say a thousand businesses and just ask them have you heard of a VA are you interested in finding out so like a survey and I can remember you know the days where I'd get just one response was like (laughs) party time (laughs) I was so excited (laughs) it was hard going but they say nothing worth it is easy. Yeah, true.
0: And so at what point did you bring on your first team member? So where was, when was your first employee?
1: About 10 years ago, I'd hit the ceiling, totally overwhelmed, was very much limited by my hours in terms of what I could earn. And I hooked up with a mentor from New Zealand Business Mentors. Oh, yeah. She was instrumental in getting me from just being a freelancer to taking on my first contractor and overcoming those barriers I had in my head about, you know, no one can support my clients like I can kind of Mm. thing. Um, so, So, yes, I took on my first contractor who was actually the wife of my website designer so it was someone I knew of and went from there.
0: Wow and then how many years or how many months did it take to then grow to the next contractor and the next contractor and the next contractor you know what what does that growth look like?
1: It looked like a toddler once you take (laughs) off the training wheels of their bike we, we made so many mistakes. I would hire contractors from pressure rather from strength. So I went through ta- learning lessons from what it looks like when you take on the wrong people in your business, having no processes, no onboarding systems, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. It was very much learn as we go. And
0: where did you like where did you get your your source of knowledge or know-how in order to continue to improve or was it just literally fall over get back up see what works next fall over get back up see what works next did you have like a a resource or a a go-to place that you kind of went oh gosh how do I do this better like what do I do now
1: Over the years, where we've fallen off our bike, to use the same analogy, Mm -hmm. um, like I said, we worked with a business mentor, we've worked with a couple of coaches. So, as we, well, as I struck ceilings in my business, I would go and get help. Um, Mm -hmm. More recently, in 2019, we started working with an EOS implementer. Um, which again took us from where we were, our growth had plateaued out and I'd lost my passion. So I knew we needed to change something in order to go up to the next level. So before implementing
0: EOS, can you describe your business then and what it looked like then? Like you were not passionate anymore.
1: I was just tired, Sandra. You know, when you've been in the same business for 24 years and it's just you with a team under you, I was just tired and and it was a bit like Groundhog Day. I, I loved what I do. I always have, but I'd lost the passion and the excitement and, and what's next. In bringing on EOS, we also brought on a leadership team. Like I said, we had Nikki now manages our operations and our team. We have Sue as our VBM or an EOS language, our integrator, and Hazel who manages our finance. Bringing in that leadership team has, oh, has been a game changer because it's not just me and not just my ideas. So the business has transitioned from me calling all the shots to, I think, pulling on our big girl pants and being an actual business that's not dependent on me. I can take time off now and rather than in the past, I'd get a VA to cover me and we keep going. Now, if I go away, we keep growing and keep going towards our quarterly goals, if that makes sense.
0: Bringing on that level of leadership team is not an easy move. How did you know that that was the right time? Because you'd have to be bringing in work. You'd have to be in a growth phase of the business in order to then bring on such a leadership team. Because the leadership team are not client charging, right? And agencies make their money by being client charging.
1: We went through an exercise where we mapped out what our organisation chart looks like in order to meet our 10-year goal. And that was a real mindset shift for me because it took me a, a long time to be in a mindset where I could invest in this unbillable support when I, I had a real barrier to investing in that. But had to shift from, we can keep going as we are with me, all my team available to investing in the future. And it, and it took me about 18 months to get to that phase. We brought on, initially it was Sue, and then we brought on Nikki, and we set revenue goals we needed to meet in order to be able to fill that position.
0: And so what did that do for your marketing and sales of your business? What did you have to do in that area of your business in order to increase sales in order to get your leadership team in place?
1: We did a couple of things. We, backwards, forwards, we increased our VA rates for our team. We introduced a bonus system because I wanted our team invested in the direction we were going in and rewarded for that, we at the same time increased our client rates. So we dropped behind being what that service looked like in New Zealand behind our competitors. So, yeah, I've got this big barrier to increasing our rates because you know where your clients are at personally and, yeah, yeah. I I don't know, lots of business owners do struggle with pricing. So we looked inside before we looked at our marketing and bringing in new business. We did a lot of work on our foundation so that, like our clients, we could grow without the speed wobbles and without any detriment to our level of service. So we sucked it up profitability-wise for 2019 2020 right. but in doing that we're now in a place where we're going out to market and we've got the capacity to you know deliver on the promise i make in discovery course
0: mm-hmm. I know
1: that we can go forward and bring a new business and bigger business and we can do that really well
0: nice and you're your business has gone from strength to strength, even though you had raised your prices.
1: Yes. Um, (laughs) And to anyone that's listening to your podcast that has a barrier about raising their prices, actually what we did, because I've got this like fear of, oh, so-and-so is going through some personal problems. I know they can't afford it. We raised our prices in three different stages. We categorized our clients in A, B, C, and we started with our C clients and we tested the waters. So clients said if we lost them, it wouldn't be the end of the world. We started with those and tested how we communicated that price increase, what their feedback was, and we didn't lose a client. So well done. Yeah.
0: Well done and knowing how to do all of this growth strategy did you engage a business coach did you engage just a free mentor like who did you get to help you manage your mindset as you work through this business growth phase?
1: Uh, Being open-minded and Mm. accepting the fact that even though I own the business, I don't know everything. So, being a, that was a little bit of a again, another learning that other people can contribute in ways that I can't. Mm. So, recognizing each of our leadership team and our general team who are awesome at coming forward, I can say on Slack, Hey, struggling with getting, you know, our target. Amount of discovery calls at the moment. Any suggestions? And I'll get lots of suggestions. So, being open minded and bringing the team along and involving them.
0: Ah, oh, that's so good, Justine. You yeah, because so many more minds are better than your own, and yes. you just you never know until you ask.
1: No, I I wouldn't have come up with giving our team a price rise. If I think Sue, Sue might have brought it up, and I was like, "Well, I hadn't even thought of it." So yeah, they say more more minds are the more minds the merrier. That's yeah. so true in business. And whether that's your own team or, like I said, a mentor or a coach, you don't have to go through it alone.
0: You know, the one thing agencies struggle with as they move through this growth phase is client management, because they started their business. And when you're in agencies, you're doing the done-for-you service. So you are doing done-for-you services for your client. And it starts off with just you. And then you build your business and bring somebody else in. But you're still doing all of the client-facing work. And you can probably continue to do that and offload everything else, just keep client-facing relationships. But when you get to a team of 35, you can't be doing that for every client that you've got. So how did you filter yourself out or phase yourself out of, you know, managing the clients or being in not not even in the weeds but making sure that you're responsible for the client relationship. I mean, is that still something that you feel responsible for or have you handed that over, have you delegated that?
1: No, I I became, and I would say this of a lot of business owners that I've come across, you you can become a project manager. You're liaising with your customers one-on-one, day-to-day, and liaising with your team to make sure that you deliver. In stepping back as a business owner, you can still, like you say, we have monthly check-ins, I still make sure that I check in regularly with clients and provide them a space to give feedback, what's working well, what's what do we need to up our game on. We bring in one month, three month customer surveys. We also do a monthly report which I email through to the clients and you know, Keep that personal relationship, but in the meantime, they're building a really strong relationship with their VBM or lead VA, so they are better off in having more dedicated day to day support than I could have done, even when we had 10 clients. Nice. So, describe your role in your business now. Well, I still do client work, I still Ah. get. I still, I was, um, before this podcast, I was actually doing a PandaDoc survey for a client because that helps keep me, being in the weeds a little bit isn't always a bad thing. It helps me realise what my team have to do and it helps keep me, uh, technology changes so quickly that I don't want to lose track of what's happening and how we can help our clients. So I still do a little bit of client work, still very involved in marketing and support because at this stage, we don't have a dedicated marketing person. That's our next leadership role to fill when we can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> and I work quite closely with Sue on what we can look forward and do in terms of projects How can we improve our contractor onboarding system? You know, where are the problems at the moment? We're never going to be perfect and we always work in progress. I love that. I don't because it would be good to be, all right, we're done. We've fixed everything.
0: (laughs) No, but, you know, I think businesses evolve because technology evolves, processes evolve, the way that we can be more efficient evolves. I think we should always be evolving and evaluating, is this still best practice? Is this still working? Am I still the best person to be doing this job? Is my time served over here rather than here? And so that that continual evolving, learning, and keeping you moving forward is what keeps you as a market leader.
1: And you know what, if you get too overwhelmed as a business owner or too busy in the weeds all the time, or you're always being reactive, you don't have that headspace to think, to be creative, to look forward and be proactive. So that, I think, if anything, is the biggest thing we can give to our clients, and when I'm talking to business owners, I say make sure that you whether you slot a couple of hours a week or you dedicate one day a week, if you're lucky enough, but make space for yourself to think about how you can keep improving, which is hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's easy to say, Yeah, but it is hard when you are in the day-to-day, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I have good weeks and bad weeks. I'm having an awesome week this week. I've done heaps But last week, I had heaps of Zooms. I seem to be in my inbox all week. And just those weeks happen. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and you look forward to a week where the balance shifts.
0: Yeah. But that's life, right? Some days are good, some days are bad. You know, (laughs) yesterday, I just recorded a podcast episode about being in the eye of the storm. You know, things were just. Whirling around, it was chaos, and I had to control my mindset through it because I could let it control me and be pissed off all the time and yeah. be overwhelmed and just, you know, want to curl up in bed with the Netflix series. But the strongest thing that you can do is to manage your mindset in the eye of that storm because it will pass. You know, so whether that storm is today or this week or this month, it will pass. We just have to manage how we behave and how we think through those hard times. I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favor. If you are loving this podcast and this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend or even better yet to jump over onto Instagram and share it on your stories. Don't forget to tag me. I'm sandrajulian.co. That really is the best way for others to find out about this podcast. And I
1: thank you in advance. Alrighty, back to the episode. I I read a book, Sandra, called, actually, I read a chapter every morning when I journal. It's called Let It Be Easy. And she talks about when you are overwhelmed and frustrated and just want to Netflix, shift your to-do to a get-to-do. So Mm. when when you are, the wheels are all falling off. Well, it's because you're so successful and you're so busy and you know, it would be worse if you opened up your emails in the morning to crickets. Yeah. So so sometimes it's just, yeah, I am like gonna have to burn the midnight oil, but it's because I'm really successful and the work's coming in and yeah.
0: so that's and been I get good to do me. this. Yeah. 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 I really love that phase when I really first heard it, and I can't remember where I heard it, but that shift in your mindset from, I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I have to do that, and changing that phrase to, I get to do this, I get to do this work for this client, I get to be here, and that really does change your mindset to one of gratitude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's helped me a lot because I can tend to, yeah, want to put my head under the covers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. I wonder whether that's a that's a kiwi thing, you know, because we use we always find it hard to accept a compliment and we we say, Oh, I did this, oh but this yeah. happened. You know, we we've always got the oh but mm. and that in itself takes a conscious change of this um, thought process to just stop after you've said, I got to do this today and it went really well. With no but. With no but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a bit like on the flip side when you're apologizing and you say, I'm really sorry I did that, but, and then you defend yourself. Yeah, and then you justify it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really bad at that.
0: Mm, because you want people to see that your point of view and where you were coming from and what was going on in your world at the moment, why I did that, like justifying your actions when yeah. just that simple, yeah. like, I'm really sorry, full yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, that's definitely a conscious effort I find myself having to do as well, just being really conscious around, I don't have to add the but yeah. to anything.
1: No more buts for
0: no us. No more buts, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a mindset thing, you know, and controlling <laughs> your thoughts and your behaviours and being in charge of your mind and taking ownership for your actions. No one else is going to take ownership for your actions. That's your responsibility.
1: And, and not making it about you, but making mm. it about person you're apologizing to. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Easier said than done. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) What are you most proud of in your business,
1: Justine? Oh, I don't even need to hesitate. It's my team. Mm. Uh, Amazing, supportive ladies who really give a shit about the service that we provide. And we are so careful about who we onboard, and our onboarding system is pretty awesome because we've learned over the last 10, 12 years how important it is to get the right people. So yeah. I, I am so proud and honoured to work with my team.
0: Nice. And yeah. are and your team who? Yeah. yeah.
1: We work with some amazing companies who are doing really good things that I'm really proud to be involved with. How do you, I'm going to go down a little bit of a tangent,
0: how do you filter out and decide whether a client is for you or not for you? You know, because it's easy when we're growing our business to just say yes to every client. But do you have a process whereby you filter out who you will work
1: with and who you will say no to? Yes, we do. Price is a qualifier. And from a good place that we, want, we need to be sure that the businesses we work with have the budget for us to do what we need to do to make that business better or to give that business owner more time. So price is one qualifier. Again, we have an onboarding system where prior to a discovery call, we ask them to answer a couple of questions to a survey. We work with clients based on our core values. And we've also recently, because like I said, we're not perfect. And only a couple of months ago, we let a couple of clients go that weren't our ideal clients. And when I say not our ideal clients, they would be clients that micromanage, that don't communicate well, that aren't respectful, because those types of clients are really hard to make a difference with. You know, if a client doesn't communicate well or micromanages, it's really hard for one of our team to go and create a sales funnel that's going to convert or send a newsletter out on time every month, you know, uh, that's prepared in advance and quality controlled and all that kind of thing. So being very careful about that. And we've also recently introduced a one month trial for both our client's sake and ours, so that if we find um, one month working in that it's not working for any reason, it's a really good safety door or fire exit for either the client or us to say hey look it's been really cool but this isn't working and give the reasons and offer some alternatives.
0: That's nice I like that.
1: That comes from the back of either clients not being happy with us or one of my team getting really stressed because the client you know like I said wants everything yesterday but doesn't tell them give them the information they need or things like that so mm. um, you've it got a comes process yeah. problems that we've had <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but doesn't everything that we evolve come from a problem? Um, you know when you when you hit a little barrier in your in your business and you don't know what a bad client looks like until you've got a bad client.
1: And you don't always, you can't always rely on your instincts for your initial calls with that client. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And so when you have a bad client, then you can identify a bad client because up until that point, maybe all of your clients have been the dream client. Maybe they've all, you know, been great to work with because you've attracted that right person because of your initial qualifiers of your values and your price point, which are, Two really good qualifiers. But until you get that not so good client, you don't know what to watch out for. So as soon as you get those clients, you're like, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what I'm looking out for. And then you design some questions that will help you evaluate that from the get go. So, yeah, it's all about the business evolution. You don't know what you don't know until you do know.
1: Absolutely. And most businesses that we work with have those clients themselves. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, the clients where you see an email from them and your shoulders tighten just a little. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have definitely had those clients in my journey as a business too. And when I look back on those clients, there were telltale signs from the get go. I just missed them
1: and you miss them or you need the revenue you could be at a particular phase in your business where you can't afford to say no to clients that you know aren't a good fit Mm. Um, but if you do not work with them you make space for clients that are a good fit but that's easier said than done you know when you've got to pay the bills
0: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) And Justine, my number one question for you is, what has been the number one strategy that has enabled you to scale your agency?
1: Again, finding the right people at the right time. And there's been, in terms of scaling, there's been time when we've been at capacity and myself or members of the team have had to work more hours than they wanted so that we could take on the work that we needed to, but making the right hires at the right time. Because without that, we're not going to be able to grow. Even now, we've got to make sure that we've got the capacity on our team to continue to take on the work that we want to take on in order to grow our revenue or create new services. So I couldn't do that by myself.
0: Yeah, I mean... And like I heard you say before that you hire contractors. So your team is made up of contractors
1: rather than employees? 100% contractors, which suits our service because employees, I would have to fill X amount of hours with billable work. Contractors, my team pick their own hours and they're paired with clients. Some prefer to work in the evenings. And there's work that suits that. They might be batching newsletters or social media posts in the evening. Some want to work five hours a week. Some want to work 40. So that contractor model helps me as a business owner, but it also gives my team flexibility.
0: But does that also, it reduces your overhead because you're only paying contractors for the hours that they are billing.
1: Yes, it also hugely reduces my risk with wrong hires because I can just stop giving them work. (laughs) I mean, I have the difficult conversation, you know, talk about what's working well and what's not working well. But at the end of the day, if they let me throw a client down too many times, then I'll stop giving them work or clients. So it hugely reduces my risk.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice. And you don't have that, you don't have the risk of having to pay employees, but your billable hours are down. So there's a top-up that you've got to provide as a business.
1: Exactly. Uh, For example, often December, January are very quiet for us. Lots of our clients take time off, you know, family holidays over Christmas, and it's up to my contractor whether they also want to take that time off or if they need to make sure that they've got money coming in, they work with their clients or I give them more work so that they can you know, have a really good October, November revenue-wise. So it, it gives my team flexibility.
0: And have you always worked in a contractor arrangement? Has that always yes, been I've,
1: your business model? I've never had an employee. Ah. Yeah, just me.
0: How did you know that that was the business model for you?
1: Like I said, originally I worked with a mentor when I took on my first contractor and I worked through the different ways we could go towards a team with that mentor. Um, So she helped me look at the pros and cons for taking on an employee And, and there's different arguments. Some will say an employee is more loyal, will stick around for longer. But I would argue that I've had, well, I've got VAs that have been with me nine years and who are loyal and who give, you know, 110%. So I don't think that factors in.
0: And do you find that your VA's do work on the site because they're a contractor so they can do work for you but they can then also not do work for you and do work for
1: others. Some work just for me. some have their own businesses. A couple even work part-time so I support them if they're trying to grow their own business and help them. I actually like that because they bring a different they bring a different skill set to our team um so we've got quite a mix mash of contractors
0: and that must form some like management challenges for me for yeah so managing a business with an array of like contractors some who you know are working for other people as well as you part-time full-time Like that must be a challenge to keep track of.
1: No. Ah. No, because certain VAs don't want to work directly with a client, so they might just support our lead VAs um, behind the scenes. Some just want ad hoc tasks. Some want to take on three or four clients, and that's their caseload kind of thing. So it's uh, we just manage capacity. I yeah. take my hat off to you. Like just
0: thinking about that in my head, I'm like, oh, what a nightmare. What what a massive task.
1: But we've you know? got tech tools that help us. We've got yeah. Slack and we've got a job board channel on Slack. So if we get like a casual task coming off our website, um, that comes into a form in our project management system and we'll share that on our job board and see who puts their hands up. Or, yeah, we've got a CRM, so we know who's got which level of expertise and which sort of skill set. So if no one does put their hand up, we'll reach out to team members we know have got that skill set. So there's different ways we've got of managing that capacity. Tech tools are pretty
0: Yeah. I mean, the tech tools available to us in this day and age are just phenomenal. I'm diving all into about team now because, you know, when you run an agency, it's all about your team. There are so many things that we have to think about as the business owner when we take on a team. It can be all consuming as we grow our business because, you know, it's a bit like an event. An event is a breeze to breathe and breathe life into until. You get the humans taking part. And yeah. then, as, as soon as you get that humans taking part, the different personalities play in, and the different wants, and the different needs. And, you know, then it becomes a bit of a roller coaster. So, it's, you know, with a team, as you're growing your agency, it can be the same as well. Once you put that human element and multiple humans into the mix, things can become, you know, a little bit topsy-turvy at time or a little bit challenging or, you know, to be really streamlined with your team. So do you have team meetings? Like I just heard you say that you have a Slack channel, like you operate communications in a Slack environment and have different Slack channels. But do you have regular team meetings? What does managing your team look like?
1: When COVID and lockdowns and all that hit, we introduced a weekly Zoom meeting that the team, it was optional, could attend. And that was pretty much making sure everyone was supported. We've since dropped that back to monthly, and that's completely about our team. Um, We'll ask a question, I think one question was, What would you do if you won a million dollars this weekend? How would you spend the money? What would change in your life? So it's very much as we grow a getting to know you and making sure that our small team culture remains as we grow. We also have a monthly Zoom for our lead VAs. We have a monthly Zoom for our VBMs. And they are troubleshooting, introducing new processes or tools that we've got to help support those teams, making sure that they're accountable for what we promise our clients is happening. And we have a weekly leadership uh, level 10 meeting, which is our business traction in terms of momentum, making sure that we're looking forward and learning from what's happened this week. So, yeah. Way too many (laughs) Zames.
0: No, but, you know, that sounds really structured and purposeful to me. You know, one is for all of the team to get a bit of team building, bit of team culture going on, but then you've got your lead VAs who have got the purpose for their meeting, and then, you know, your leadership meeting. So, you know, each with intention and purpose, um, because I think that's where we potentially have to be careful as we grow that our yeah. meetings can get out of hand and lose their focus.
1: Yeah. And I tend to go off on tangents or just <laughs> talk way too much if I get excited about something. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so keeping on track. But I love our monthly team meetings because, ah, oh, for example, I found out one of our VAs who have been with me for eight years suffers from imposter syndrome sometimes and she's amazing at what she does and she always gets it right the first time and I was like you're kidding me so we're constantly learning things about the people that we work with which I love
0: you know and it's so nice to hear that you have got long term employees like to keep yeah. to keep team members on team for eight years is a real testament to how you operate your
1: business oh yeah I'm really proud of it and that's a testament to the people on the team yeah yeah Yeah.
0: Justine, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. We've dived all over the place uh, when it comes to what's going on behind the scenes in your business, how you operate your business, everything from staff to, you know, lead generation to yeah. money <laughs> to pricing and and all of the things. So I appreciate that you have come on the podcast today and been so open uh, with how you run your business I'm sure that our listeners who are all you know small agency owners or wanting to move into continuing to serve their clients with help in building that team so the, the value that you've imparted today is, is super good and going to be super helpful to our listeners so I thank you and I appreciate you.
1: Oh thank you so much for inviting me to talk with you and I hope Some of our wins and losses help your listeners. Yeah, we've still got a long way
0: to go. Brilliant. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, Sandra. See ya. Before you go today, I wanted to say thank you for being here and listening all the way to the end. All of the links to this week's episode can be found in the show notes. Or if you like to read a really good blog, then you can head over to my website at sandrajulian.co forward slash podcast. Now you've probably realized that running a business is not for the faint-hearted. There are challenges coming at you left, right and center every day. But I'm here to tell you that challenges are only challenges because you haven't yet found an answer to them. The solution could actually be easier than you may think, but if you're anything like me, you tend to overthink or overanalyse the solution that is right in front of you. So what do you have to do to become the best boss you could possibly be? Well, you could go and take my two-minute free Agency Owner Persona Quiz, at sandrajulian.co forward slash quiz Here you'll find out how you can scale and streamline your business without compromising you and your lifestyle I can't wait to know what your results are so once you've done the quiz why don't you take a screenshot jump over to Instagram share it on your stories and don't forget to tag me I'm at sandrajulian.co If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you hit the subscribe button to get notified of the new episodes as soon as they're released. And if you listen on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app, then I'd really appreciate if you could rate the show and perhaps leave a quick review if you are on the Apple app. Those five stars would mean the world to me and it would help get this show in the ears of more online service business owners. Alrighty, my friend, have the most productive week and I will talk to you again real soon.